Last year, she had a kidney stone and still went in, and we did a two-hour concert program with her sitting in a chair. So she's a tiger for sure. Uh, yeah, a couple of CDs out there on the table if you'd like. All of our stuff's on streaming for free, okay? But you might want a collector's item. And uh, there's also a book out there that I wrote while we were on the road called Thrival Mode, Using the Power of Vision to Ignite Your Passion for Living. I always tell inmates, if you're still breathing, everybody do this. <gasps> everybody does that. That belongs to God. And when he's done with you, he'll take it back. So he must have more for you to do. And so that's about getting a vision for your life and stirring that up. What do you see? A picture of a preferred future. and How we kind of unwrap that, you know. I don't want to retire. I want to refire. You know, I want to. Go out full throttle the best I can with the energy God gives. And so uh, we just came back. We did 18 events uh, across the Florida panhandle. Here I'm going to tell you a cool story. I'm going to talk about spreading the good infection, by the way. You guys pack our stuff that gets sent out to 100 prisons. We started that program when everything was locked down. We started doing videos and getting other resources to come in. So we send boxes of resources out to 100 prisons. And I thought we might put it down once we hit the road again. But Laura and Carly sent me an email and said, here's all the dates for next year. So we keep it going. And uh, and they watch them, by the way. We go into the prisons. The inmates say, oh, man, thanks for not forgetting about us. Because they had no visitors, uh, no volunteer programs for over a year and for, it's still that way in a lot of states. We can't go in and do what we do. That's why we're spending most of our time down in Florida. Uh, but I'm going to talk to you about spreading the good infection. I wanted to give you one cool cool story about how it spreads. The, the good infection, by the way, is what uh, C.S. Lewis called the gospel. He said it's like a good infection. An infection, is it starts with a tiny little microbe, Right? One little germ somehow, somehow gets in your body, got in my wife's body, and she ended up with an infection, a urinary tract infection. And uh, while that was going on, a lot of crazy stuff, a little, little tighter on time for this service, but basically we were in Virginia Beach, okay, we just where we just came from. We'd done some events down there. We had family down there. That's where we're from. They came out to the campground. We had a big cookout. She's suffering from this. She thought it was a kidney stone. She's just getting the pains and stuff, right? And uh, my daughter, who's three months pregnant, she starts getting migraines. So she's on heavy medication for pregnant people with migraines. Pregnant people with migraines, danger, 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 right? And uh, so meanwhile, I got my three grandsons out there. I'm trying to show them how to fish. We're fishing. You know, I say we went fishing. What that means is I was untangling lines and baiting hooks and helping them reel it in. My youngest grandson, he's 11 years old. He picks up my little girl, my six-year-old granddaughter's little toy fishing rod. He's playing with it. It pinched his finger. He let it go. And it went out into the water, brackish water off this little canal. He thought it was funny. So I jumped him and made him not feel like it was funny. It was not funny what you did, you know. So he goes in the house crying with the lady with the the, the uh, kidney pain and the uh, lady with the migraine. Now we got this upset kid in there. So meanwhile, I, we, we managed to get the long story how we got the fishing rod out. So now I'm going to fix it. I hear he's upset. My middle grandson is like going into a panic attack because now my youngest grandson is starting to have a mild asthma attack. He's got asthma. And so I'm out there like I got to fix this rod, get, you know, get it, it got all tangled up. And I'm going to carry it in there and say, I dove in and got it. Everything's good. While I'm doing that, Satan visited me. Sometimes people say that Satan, you know, some think he's like, the horns and the tail and all that stuff in a pitchfork. We that know the Bible says he can be presented as an angel of light. I'm going to show you what Satan looks like. This right here is what Satan looks like. That's Satan. Satan the bug. In the form of a bug. While all this nonsense is going on, that little sucker, that very bug, flew, mocked, 
four, ten, or whatever, a thousand miles an hour into my ear canal, did not touch the walls. It was like an X fighter flying through the Death Star, straight into my eardrum. Boom. And I, but I was determined I was going to bring everything to a standstill, going to get in this fishing rod, going to call my grandson down. It's going to be all good until that little sucker went in my ear. Anybody ever have something caught in your ear like that? I didn't think so. I'm almost 59 years old, and that is the craziest thing I think that's ever happened. All of a sudden, migraines don't matter. Your infection don't matter. Asthma attacks don't matter. This is what matters. Satan is in my head, and he's burrowing, burrowing his way into my brain. And I had to keep manipulating my ear, or else it would go off again. And it's not coming out. I mean, bro, craziest thing ever. So finally... The kids all went to my daughter's house. That was the plan anyway. Susan, I, I was like, we're going to, short of sticking a knife in my ear, I was poking everything in my ear, probably pushed it deeper, you know. And uh, I was like, look it up on YouTube, you know. How do you get things out of your ear? And uh, finally we went to an urgent care, and the first guy comes in there, and he sticks his little scope in there, and he goes, oh, yeah. Oh, wow. It's kind of a blue-green thing. Well, we can't do anything about that. You're going to have to go to the ER. It's too deep in there. It's like, oh, no. Me, I have to keep doing this or the bug flutters. My ear is still sore a week later from doing this. Another do- lady doctor walks by and she goes, let me have a take. Let me take a look. And she takes a look. Sharon, get in here. So this lady comes in there with a miniature fire hose and blows a stream of water in my ear so hard. It hurts so bad. I thought water was going to come out of this ear. And she backs off and she looks and she goes, I might have moved a little bit. She hit it again, hit it again, about four or five times before. Oh, I think you killed it. Yeah, you killed it. I'm like, well, that's good news. It's going to stop fluttering. I can stop doing this. And finally, it got to where she could get it with forceps. And then I left, and she and I was just so relieved. I still have that little sucker wrapped in a napkin, by the way. I don't know what I'm going to do with it yet. I couldn't believe it. I was like, did this just happen? And she gave me a prescription for, um, or she gave me a bottle of augment, you know, an antibiotic. It's like, oh, what's this for? So I took it anyway. Well, she knew that I would probably get an ear infection. Day two, eh, it was a little sensation. Day three, I was like a little, man, when I was a kid, I used to get ear infections all the time until I got my tonsils out. And it was flashback, up all night long, could not sleep. I was like, how much ibuprofen can you take, like, and not die? And so I went back, and she said, oh, you can take 800 milligrams every four hours or something, and you can stagger it with Tylenol, 1,000 milligrams. I was eating it like Skittles, man. Slept like a baby the next night, but it hurt. And it just stopped hurting about maybe two days ago, and I can barely hear you out of this ear still, but it's on the mend. Infections starts with a tiny little thing, probably a germ off that bug, you know? We spread the gospel the same way, not by just dumping a dump dump truck load of scripture on people. We look for inroads to how can we spread this good infection. You already got it. If, If you believe that Jesus died and rose from the dead and lives in you by his Holy Spirit, you've got that good infection. If you believe all things are possible, if you believe all things work together for good for those that love the Lord and are called according to his purpose, you got that good infection. God gave somebody planted something and it grew and you've got that infection. 
But I believe this, if you've got that good infection, you've got the heart of God. And the heart of God is that none should perish, but that all should come to repentance. I think that's 2 Peter 3, 9. That is the heartbeat of this church. By the way, I think it's the, the, the secret sauce of this church, why it's growing, why there's such life here, is it's far and wide, man. Let's get outside the box. Let's reach people. Let's spread this good infection. Let's support missionaries. Let's go on the mission field ourselves. We couldn't do what we do without you guys. You know, people helping us get out there. So when we go, we go. You see what I'm saying? We're all part of spreading this good infection. I, I wanted to tell you a quick story. We were in um, in a prison in Jeff uh, Monticello, Florida, in the Panhandle over a year ago, a, a year ago, April. And we were doing a landslide by Fleetwood Mac. Yeah, I mean, would you believe that ladies will come to the altar and weep before God to, to Stevie Nicks' song? And, uh, and so we're playing that song, and this one guy in the back, he stands up and bawls like a baby through the whole song. I mean, he's just showing his vulnerability in this tough place in prison. He comes up to us at the end, and he says, Man, my mom is a singer. She's sung in bands all of her life, and that just took me back, made me think about my mom, how ashamed I am, you know, of what I've done. And, and uh, so... The next day, I get an email from his mom. Hey, thanks for ministering to my son. We get that once in a while. And uh, no problem. She goes, well, my husband and I, we we do music, and we've thought about, you know, doing some stuff, outreach, maybe, maybe even in prison. So I went online to check out their music, and I was like, well, this stuff is good. They're based out of Nashville, and they stay busy. They tour all over the place. They're really good. So I said, well, I don't know if they're Christians. I don't know anything about them uh, other than they're good musicians. So I send them uh, an email and say, well, here's how you, all the stuff you got to do to become a volunteer. We'll take you along with us on a tour if you want to come. And so they filled it all out. So we were in Nashville visiting my son who lives there and we went out to see him play and walked up, introduced ourselves. Still don't know if they're believers or anything, right? And uh, said, why don't we grab coffee tomorrow or the next day? So we ended up at a Starbucks for three hours. Come to find out the guy, you never guess by the look, and he wears like this big top hat when he performs, and he's tattooed. He's like an illustrated man all over. And, you know, I remember watching a YouTube video, and he's like, he's playing his hot licks. He goes, man, I haven't even looked at my guitar neck in three years. And I thought, well, that's awfully cocky. You know, it's a big deal when you don't have to look at what you're playing. Then I found out he's illegally blind. So... <laughs> He'd been a missionary in Asia, a musicianary is what we call it. They used music to reach people, not worship music is incredible. And we do some worship music in our programs usually at the end, but music to capture people that will come to a concert, but they won't come to church, you know? And, uh, so long story short, if I can do that now, they actually did the whole month of May. They went everywhere with us and, and, uh, the good infection spread and they're pumped about the, they're, they're still doing the club scene and stuff, but they really want to go full time doing stuff in prisons and homeless outreaches. And Lord willing, they're going to go out with us again uh, soon in the fall. And so that's how you spread the good infection, right? Just go out and use what God put in your hand. You know, one of the ways that I think that we spread the good infection, this is kind of my points if I had points, is wear your mask well in this world. Only take it down when the Holy Spirit leads. Don't go blowing the trumpet on Facebook about, our God is good, those baby killers, take it kind of thing. Really? Listen, the people that act the most evil sometimes are the ones that God chooses to end up being the greatest missionary that ever lived, like Paul the Apostle. Hear what I'm saying? We're trying to be, make disciples of people. We're trying to spread the good infection. That doesn't mean there doesn't come a time when you got to speak out. I'm not saying that either. I'm just saying wear your mask well at work. 
in your community. Don't run around, you know, just thumping people on the head with a Bible. I don't think this is a church that does that. Go out and live the life. Build some equity to be able to drive a truckload of stuff across that bridge. Build that bridge to people. Do whatever you do. Do it well. Work at it with all your heart as unto the Lord, not unto men. Hear what I'm saying? Do your job well. And when you screw up, we all do. We ain't going to be perfect. We, we, if the Holy Spirit says, hey, let your mask down and go tell somebody you're sorry that you did that, you said that, you missed, you missed the mark on that thing. That's so otherworldly, isn't it, when people do that? We're planting seeds. We're, we're putting bugs in people's ears, for lack of a better word. Um, you know, my heart has been, I, even when we were here, Chris talked about the youth group being a wild youth group. Man, they gave us 12 kids, but they gave me three vans, and we took them from the hood to the holler, and we filled this place with the most rambunctious teenagers. There's probably a couple of them out there, uh, all the way 95 to 2,000. And let me say this about our youth group back then. If I was a church-going parent, I would not let my kid come to our youth group. Back then, I didn't quite understand it because it took me a long time to realize that I was more of an evangelist than a pastor. A pastor cares more about the sheep that are already found and in the pen. Are you healthy? Are you well-fed? I care. We want to do evangelism, but this is my priority. Evangelism is exactly the opposite. And that's always been my heart. But I'll tell you, when you get that heartbeat that you're, you're not, if you work for a company and, you know, I was a police officer for 10 years of my life. I was a detective. A guy came to my church and he said, he introduced himself as the principal of the new high school. And he said, I'm, I am Chip Gray. I'm a disciple of Jesus Christ, cleverly disguised as the principal of Gloucester High School. That was about 1993, and I never forgot it. Like, hey, whatever job you're doing, ultimately, you're on mission for eternity to spread this good infection. Looking for, when you go to work, you got a terrible commute, pray all the way there. Lord, give me a chance. Give me a chance. There's nothing that will give you a high and a buzz than knowing that God answers that prayer and gave you a chance to minister to somebody, to plant a seed, put a bug in somebody's ear. Uh, A second, just a little, little tip is to touch the world at every chance you get, especially places that are suffering from pain and this syndemic in this world. Sin is killing people, man. I mean, they're sinful lives. They're lost. And sometimes the loudest, most evil voices on Twitter or TikTok or whatever, man, they need Jesus. They need a heart change, you know? And so looking for every opportunity, whether it's taking a missions trip with this church, pray about it. Lord, how can I play? play? Maybe it's you're a financial guy and you can give more to missions or you can stop. But somehow we're looking for where are we getting way outside the box? Let me contribute to that because God's heart is that none should perish, but all come to repentance. So let me find ways that I can do that in the, be in the world, but not of the world, right? And spread this good infection. That's kind of the mandate of Christ. And I gave the first service a, a uh, homework assignment to read Matthew 24 and 25, where Jesus gives his whole conversation. What shall be the sign of your coming? And he gives all the signs of his coming, what it's going to look like. Then it rolls straight into the virgins and the oil. Some of them didn't have enough oil. They had to go get it. And the master came back. Some of you are familiar with this. Is your homework. Okay, I'm almost done. And, and it's symbolic of the Holy Spirit. Stay full of the Holy Spirit. Stay in step of the Holy Spirit because I'm coming back. I'm going to give you talents. That's the next parable. I'm going to give you certain abilities, certain opportunities. Go bear fruit. Go go do something so that you hear, well done, good and faithful servant. What kind of things are we supposed to be doing with those abilities, those talents, those resources? Well, he goes straight into the parable of the sheep and the goats. Go feed the hungry. Go visit people in prison. Go take care of the sick. Look for those opportunities. Wear your mask every day well. Look for opportunities to plant seeds, scatter seeds. We can't make anything grow anyway. We can only scatter seeds. And then 
Look for those opportunities with, with your church, other believers, that you can get outside or support people that are getting outside. Amen? Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for the opportunity to speak to your people today. Help us, God, to be spreaders of this good news, this good infection that you have infected us with, this hope, this life, this peace. In Jesus' name, amen.